Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Rashad Norze coming to you with another episode of the Muslim American Society podcast. I am joined again with Imam Fuad Muhammad, and this is a continuation of our transformation series. Let's jump right into the recording. Assalamu alaikum, Imam Fuad, how are you? I'm doing well, Alhamdulillah. How are you, Brother Rashad? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. You know, I took your advice from last time, did a little mm-hmm. intro for this. So we'll have an intro that'll play this uh, for this episode in particular. So we can dump, jump right into the segment, inshallah. And, you know, we're, we're covering character and fasting. Um, but mm-hmm. before we start, you know, I've been meaning to ask, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of uh, sort of unknowns and new experiences. Tell me how you're fe- feeling. We're a couple of days away from Ramadan. How are you feeling? How, how are things going for you? SubhanAllah, alhamdulillah. There's a, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, the month is coming. Um, also, a lot of uh, some things that have been happening in the local community. That uh, There was uh, one of the young brothers that uh, was killed a couple of days ago. So, and this was one of my, you know, old neighbors and uh, it's that and then, you know, just Corona, all of these things that are, you know, bringing sadness. But Alhamdulillah, I'm very excited for uh, Ramadan to come. And um, I don't know how it's going to feel. You know, the first day fasting, uh, which is going to be alone, the first night, Taraweeh, which is, I think, most likely is going to be tomorrow night, how that's going to be for a lot of people. So it's, there's excitement and then there's, you know... The sadness of the two. How about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Alhamdulillah. And I'm sorry to hear about that. May, may Allah make it easier for that family. Mm-hmm. You know, same here. There's there's a lot of excitement. Although I, I know you and I have mentioned it. Many people have been talking about it. In my usra, we've been talking about it. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. hearing it from everyone. Ramadan is coming. Ramadan is coming. I just mm-hmm. don't feel ready. You know, and so for me, it's uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's maybe it's because there's excitement you have. I remember someone gave this uh, analogy a long time ago, like Ramadan being a guest. And oftentimes Mm. you're really looking forward to a guest. It's someone maybe you haven't seen in a long time or someone Mm -hmm. you're looking forward to see. You just don't feel like anything's ready. It's like, all right, do I ha- am I am I lined up with my Quran? Am I prepared? Am I is my salah in order? Is my family affairs, my community work? Yeah, I'm trying to really make sure everything is ready because I know mm-hmm. when the inshallah if we, if we reach this Ramadan, I think it's going to be one of the most unique experiences. So honestly, I just feel like uh, I'm not ready. But maybe that's I hope that's a, a natural feeling um, that will will help me prepare more for it. SubhanAllah, you know, this is Ramadan, it is a guest, you know, that comes once a year. So imagine somebody tells you, I only come to your house once a year, get ready for me. You know, what? when are you going to start getting ready? Especially right. when you know they're coming, you know? And then you, this is, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're never going to feel you're ready for. You know, I, I compare it to like, you know, last year when I went to Hajj, I didn't feel ready, like, every, even on the you know, flight going there, uh, while we're putting on our ihram, I didn't feel like I was ready for this thing, you know? Right. Like, like did, did I do everything properly up until now? Once I'm in it, am I ready to do, you know, all the things I have to do? So, alhamdulillah, you know, this is a, a normal feeling. But for me, you know, the, the thing that I'm most excited about is this is, no matter what happens, no matter how long we're in this uh, quarantine, staying at home, 
Ramadan is going to make it, you know, a little bit easier for us. That's what I'm hoping for. And this is something that it, it's, it's a blessed month that is coming for us. You know, just that makes me so excited being able to actually, inshallah, Moy and you both and, and, and everybody that's listening, we're going to make it, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. And I'm happy, you know, these opportunities have really been excellent for me. So I'm, I'm excited that we're continuing. This book has been uh, important, an important transformation in my life. And I've, others have told me how much they love it. And I'm excited at the opportunity to build on this year. And I'm even more, I'm looking forward if Allah gives us the opportunity to continue expanding on what we're doing here and really helping us prepare beyond Ramadan as well. And I know that's one of the challenges. It's, it's one thing to get to Ramadan. It's another thing to, to really, you know, maximize your opportunities inside of Ramadan, but it's a whole nother challenge to carry that into the rest of your year. So I'm looking forward for us to, uh, to work on that together as well. So, so jumping right into this, I mean, last time we continued on the components of character and we reached the, in the one section under generosity towards others, or mm-hmm. the section I believe he highlights under fasting heals selfishness. And then mm-hmm. he talked about in page 82, fasting addresses the fault of selfishness, selfishness through several methods. And one of them that he addresses, I think we left off here last time, is the example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he, he, I like how he it starts this point, he says in page 83, the generous example of the Prophet ﷺ is another cure in healing our selfish natures. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. You know, this is his generosity. It's uh, it's not something I, I, we can even like truly understand. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, one of the things that uh, the, the way I look at his generosity is, you know, what happened during you know his last days where the Prophet ﷺ, there was uh, seven gold pieces he had, and they had a lamb or a sheep. So even, you know, while he's passing away, while, you know, he's, he's fainting and he's coming back, so this is like the last day of his life, he's worried about, you know, were these things given in sadaqah? So between him waking up and, and, and fainting again, he would say, what happened to the seven gold pieces? So Aisha anha would tell, you know, would tell him, oh, we've, we've given it away in sadaqah. And then he says, "What about the sheep?" And then she's like, "We've given away the sheep, but we've kept the, uh, you know, the, uh, the shoulder of the sheep." And we say, "No, Alhamdulillah, all that we've given away is for us. The thing that we're losing is the shoulder." You know, so even at this moment of his life, he's still thinking about, you know, giving sadaqah and being generous, where he could have been, you know, let, let me be selfish for my family and let them, you know, keep these things so they have something I left behind. Yeah, this is, it's so hard because there are so many examples. And, and I like that, um, that you, this one that you mentioned is really beautiful. Um, it's hard to find a time where you look at the prophet's life and you don't see that generosity, whether it was from his time, whether it was from his wealth, whether it was from his emotional, like his generosity even extended beyond his, his own, the people around him. And this is, I think, a difficult, difficult one for us to understand. But his generosity in terms of even the, the dedication he, he gave and the time he gave to pray for people. Right. Mm-hmm. So we know for he will be the one that prays for all of us, all mm-hmm. of his own. And inshallah will be among them on the day of judgment, the day when everyone will be selfish, you know, without even without even the, the willpower to go against it. Right. I mean, people mm-hmm. will turn against their own families, people will turn against their own kids, people will turn mm-hmm. against their own spouses. 
but it, but beyond that, even in his lifetime, he was thinking about the generations after him. And so that level of selflessness is really incredible. But here, of course, it's the reference to the Prophet, peace be upon him, in the month of Ramadan itself. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love the connection of why. Because here, this, I think, is the critical piece that helps you translate. Because we live in a really difficult society these days. We live mm-hmm. in a world where it's all about the taking and the wanting and the needing and the looking out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some levels, of course, there is each person is accountable for themselves. But mm-hmm. the way that we're approaching this is from that scarcity mindset or from that materialist worldview, right? Yeah, where we think, um, hey, this is the only, you know, slice of pizza that's available. And this is one pizza. This is all there is. Nothing else exists. I have mm-hmm. to make sure to get my piece. And here he says, the, so the reason why that he highlights here is from a narration of Ibn Abbas. Mm-hmm. The Prophet he would be the most generous of all in Ramadan. Uh, when he would meet the angel Gabriel to review the Quran. And when when uh, Gabriel met with him, Jibreel alayhi salam met with him, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was as generous as a free-flowing wind. Allah and that Allah. is in, in Sahih al-Bukhari under the book of fasting and the generosity of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And I'm finding something incredible here when he talks mm-hmm. about the free-flowing wind. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the beautiful examples, I think, that come from a tradition and a people who are connected with nature. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we, we don't reflect enough about these analogies, whether mm-hmm. they're given to us in the Quran or whether they're given to us from the Sahaba or the Prophet Sallallahu himself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we neglect the, the world that we live in. Everybody that, if you sit inside your car or you sit inside your house, you're thinking about your electric bill because that's what's pumping or your gas bill because that's what's pumping AC or warm air. But when you yeah. walk out it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's this, the wind is this, this generous free flowing thing. Nobody, nobody needs to control it. Nobody needs to manage it. There's no amount that you have to pay for, for utilizing it or benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. And to think about that type of generosity um, is a really beautiful, I think, description for anyone who stood outside and felt that breeze um, mm-hmm. to understand the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You know, you know, that the other thing, this is, this is a very uh, powerful hadith, especially the ending of it, you know. And this is not the only hadith that have similar wording. There's a hadith from Anas, anhu. There's a hadith from other companions where they say, you know, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he is, he was, he was the most generous, just in general. But he would become even more generous in the month of Ramadan. And when you look at the example of the, you know, the free flowing wind. Uh, in Arabic, it's uh, I think it's uh, you know, a wind that is sent. You know, wind it it does not discriminate on who it, it once the wind comes, everybody's going to get it, right? It doesn't say this breath, I'm going to only today, this breeze is going to go to Brother Rashad and nobody else. But whoever is there, once it comes, it's generous to everything in its way, right? Mm-hmm. From, from the, 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 the land to the people, to the animals, to everything. It just comes in and keeps, continues to blow. And everybody finds the relief once that wind comes. You know, especially uh, these past couple of days, we've been able, you know, to uh, take a walk uh, with, with my kids. There's this hill we go down. And as soon as we start going down, you know, the wind starts coming. And that's mm-hmm. when, you know, the, the kids start to enjoy it and they see this thing. So the wind, it moves the grass. It, 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 it does it for everybody. You know, there's no... 
this person gets it and not this person gets it. Generosity for everybody, you know. Right. So this is a subhanallah. This is a very powerful example that living in you know these giant cities where most of the time we're not outside to even see the wind, you know. So we kind of lose out on what it really means for you know the wind hitting you. Because if you think about it, most of the time we go from inside of our homes to the car to our workplace, and then right. back to the car back to our house. So whereas you know our interaction with nature and our interaction with you know the natural world. Yeah, that that's a really interesting uh, angle as well. But again, I, I look back at this point of highlighting, um, you know, the 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 reason why he did it, mm. and it's it's always that he was trying to be in a in a better state you know every every moment of his was connecting with the you know angel jibreel uh, you know he's receiving this revelation he's learning he's growing and he's developing and this is something really important for us to recognize is that yes although he was such a great person at the at the, the age of 40 when he first was given this responsibility he became even greater you know, day by day, you know, you don't find any, any reduction in his characteristics or his qualities because obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one training him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, you know, being give it, being that, uh, that one who's developing him from the subtlest, you know, aspect of, uh, who he was internally in his mind and his thoughts. And of course his character being one of the most beautiful reflections. This is a difficult one, uh, for me in particular. And I, and I, I imagine for others, but mm -hmm. this aspect of generosity, mm -hmm. I know we feel it in Ramadan. And alhamdulillah, for, the, for those who have the exposure or the opportunity uh, in certain cultures, you, you recognize it's kind of built into the culture. And in most cases, you know, I, I can't say that I know every example, but mm -hmm. the examples that I'm aware of, of cultures that have been transformed by Islam, generosity and generosity to the guest in particular, hospitality, it's not only recognized by the people within that community and society, but it's the thing that people speak about from other places. So travel visitors, wherever they go around the world. For example, my parents are from Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the things, even through decades of, uh, uh, of civil war and strife and bombings and external, you know, occupation, even mm -hmm. through all of that, you still find people highlighting this quality of people. And it's not something inherent to the mountains in Afghanistan or the water that they drink there or something about the, the ancient history of Afghan people. It's always reflected in this character of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Mm -hmm. It stems from his example and from the teaching of Quran. And mm -hmm. I love that. And I hope I can embrace that and create that culture for my children and their generations after them. And mm -hmm. I hope we can sort of expand that culture here inside of the U.S., which I believe, you know, I grew up in the culture here, so I know there is a sense of generosity mm -hmm. within you know, neighbors and friends and communities. Mm -hmm. It's a central aspect, and I think Islam will even bring, bring it more to the forefront and make it more a staple of, of the society that we live in today. And of course, it's, it's something we desperately need in the current time, even more so than any other time in the past. SubhanAllah. Yeah, this is, you know, this is, uh, it's well known, the generosity of, of certain people, you know, and you can tell, you know, the, the reason behind that generosity. Here, when you look at, you know, the, the wording of this hadith, what's really special is when Jibril met him, 
even though the, uh, Jibril alayhi salam, he's meeting him during the night, you know, he's coming to him and then reviewing the Quran with him. When he would meet him, the Prophet was, he would become more generous after that. Right? Hmm. So there's this direct uh, correlation between the, how close a person is to the Quran, how mm-hmm. close he is to, you know, the, subhanAllah, the Quran is filled with, uh, it, it, it's, it's divided into three parts, you know. There's the part that talks about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's another part that talks about, you know, the halal and the haram. And then mm-hmm. there's uh, and and uh, the you know the the stories of, right. of of the people that came before, and then you also have you know the the stories of what's going to come in the akhirah. So mm-hmm. you see that when you read these 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 ayahs that talk about you know those that just talk about this is their level and this is where they're going to be, then uh, your generosity it becomes you know it becomes easier for you to be more generous, and this is why mm-hmm. you know majority of us or majority of uh, of the Muslims, the time they give the most is in the month of Ramadan, right? Mm-hmm. Because of that attachment. One, this is the month of the Quran, and then everybody else, you know, we have that attachment to the Quran, and we always mm-hmm. appreciate you know, the Quran and doing good, right? So anybody right. us for they're in need, whether it's a masjid, whether it's different organizations, all of it, we're ready in the month of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. I lo- I like it a lot, and and I like this. There's a sort of connection here between generosity. It is it, this impact on character to be a, a generous person and to remove selfishness from your life. Mm-hmm. It is it's twofold going into it, right? Like to get closer to Allah, to get closer to the Quran, to, to take that step to benefit from fasting. Mm-hmm. I think that requires you to become more generous, right? Yeah. So you have to, you have to act. And that's the example of the prophet we see upon him. He was more generous in Ramadan. And I think, the consequence of that also is that when you experience fasting, when you are uh, being transformed by fasting as well, mm-hmm. the outcome of that is then to make you more generous as well. So it's it's a really interesting feedback loop, right? And this is a lot of it for, for people who are studying habit formation and how habits are de- trend, uh, are developed and how you change habits. Mm-hmm. Here's a great one because the thing that you want to benefit from, which is fasting, which you mm-hmm. want to become less selfish, you want to become less selfish through this experience. Mm-hmm. Then you have to start out and take a step in that direction and become more generous, like the prophet peace be upon him. And then through the experience of fasting as well, you will become transformed in your character. Uh, mm-hmm. So this feedback loop, I think, is a really interesting angle as well. Yeah, subhanAllah. And I, and I think if you look at, you know, the whole section, he just leaves it with uh, with the hadith. There's no additions to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's just saying, you know, this, the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how he was, this is enough. We don't even have right. to, you know, th- this is not something we need, it needs more explanation. Right? This is what right. the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is how he was, this is the hadith, there you go. You know, so I really like the way this this is a very short um, part of the chapter, but subhanAllah, you know, it right. has all of these meanings that you and I were just able to pull out of it, out of this small thing. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I was actually going to propose that <clears throat> the, the section on Zakat al-Fitr, which mm-hmm. is the next section, I propose we push that. We have a few weeks coming up, inshallah, in Ramadan, and I think mm-hmm. it'll be more timely if we move it to uh, a few weeks from now, if you don't mind. Perfect. And that will give us a chance to close out these last few minutes on the conversation um, of one particular one, which I think is critical for us to address, mm-hmm. is the subject of page 85, which is 
fasting tempers sexual desire. And so mm-hmm. I'll read the first, first line here as well. Mm-hmm. It says, fasting habituates Muslims to high levels of character and mindfulness, shielding them from impulsivity and disobedience. And so I think this is a great way to intro and address this particular uh, subject because this aspect of developing our character it's comprehensive. And I think this is an important one that's highlighted. Of course, there are a lot of data about the challenges for, uh, you know, young men and women and and across all of society, not just the Muslim community, but of course the Muslim community as well. And so that's why I'm happy to touch on this one because I believe there's an ayah with the ayah that talks about Ramadan itself. When it says, So this was a really beautiful example of the ayat of Quran that opened to God from And this guidance, I believe, is really reflected well in here. Yes, yeah, subhanAllah. So this is... Um, this it's it, you know it's the ayah of uh, of Ramadan, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Alhamdulillah. This is something that you know uh, from from the things that Ramadan generally just does, you know. And and I've tried to look into why, you know, how how does Ramadan, how does fasting, allow a person to overcome his desires, you know? Mm-hmm. How 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 does it calm it down? And the way that I've there's two ways, you know, I've come about to it. Is one maybe you know this uh, you we we prioritize the needs that we have you know in the hadith Qudsi where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala he talks about fasting he says he's left his you know eating and his drinking and then his his desires comes after it right so maybe you know because we're in need of the eating and the drinking more than uh, fulfilling those desires it mm-hmm. because we are giving up the eating and the drinking. We're like, okay, you know, let's let me just focus on this part without even having to worry about, you know, the other part that's there, you know, mm-hmm. me leaving off that one. I'm more in need of food and, and and hunger, and 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 thirst, and I'm leaving these things and I'm enduring these pains. So that one should become easier, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and I think there, like you said, these these different angles are addressed here. I also really like what this book does, and I want to highlight it because. You know, if you haven't read this book, this is like 80 pages deep into the book and on this particular subject. So even for the people who have this book, I don't know how many people have reached this section, but they highlight something really well here. In the section, uh, in the first paragraph, the, the, the text of the book itself says it keeps the Muslim from being consumed by sexual feelings through masturbation or other forbidden means, which can lead to overwhelming guilt and lack of willpower. And what I like is that the translator of this book, uh, that the mass publishing team included a reference here as in footnote. And it says in the footnote, it's a translator's note, for Muslims who struggle to control unhealthy sexual behaviors, there are a number of community resources that can provide support and education, including the Family and Youth Institute, which is the FYI.org, and purifyyourgaze.com. That's all one word, purifyyourgaze.com, and the degree of counselors by the Institute of Muslim Mental Health. So I really like that they did something beautiful here, which is, you know, oftentimes you get these concepts um, in their 
theoretical form, their mm-hmm. academic form. Yeah. And in reality, you know, we all want to figure out how to improve ourselves, how to change, because we want to adhere and benefit from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching, from the what the Prophet, peace be upon him, is teaching. Mm-hmm. However, we don't always have the practical tools for it. Yeah. And so I encourage everyone to take some time to look up those resources, because this is not something especially for people who have been struggling with this, you know, through maybe through a larger part of their life. Mm -hmm. You know, these are not things that you can just tell yourself, okay, I'm going to change my life today. That's the starting point Mm -hmm. often, but, but to have resources to to understand the challenge that you're experiencing, Mm -hmm. these tools are a great source to open your, your mind up to it. And interestingly, this is an area that is one of both the most beautiful aspects of life you know, this, this desire that Allah put in us that leads us. And sadly, when you look at it from the materialist science, per, scientific perspective, not scientific, when you look at it from the materialist secular perspective, they reduced this beautiful, uh, you know, experience mm-hmm. down to creation. They say, oh, this is just because we need to propagate our genes. But in reality, there is Islam recognizes and the prophet was an example of this. He spoke a lot about this subject, that this is a beautiful aspect and it's a blessing of Allah that he gave us this mm-hmm. experience. Naturally, a young person and, and a person throughout their life will experience these types of desires. And these are not forbidden. They're not, uh, they're not, they don't make you a bad person, <laughs> except that Islam brings for us the proper understanding and the proper balance about how to approach it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love when we get to talk about this subject. And fasting is, of course, one of the specific means that the Prophet, peace be upon him, advises people mm-hmm. to. And the hadith there, if, if you if you have that reference on page 85, you know, you can, what, what are your thoughts? Or maybe you can share a little bit about that hadith that's ha- captured here. SubhanAllah, you know, this is... Uh, this, there's when we get when we do nikahs, you know, when uh, we're getting people married, this is a hadith that you know we recite a lot. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says, "Man istata'a minkum al-ba'at faliyatazawwad." You know, whoever you know, he says, "Ya shabab," you know, he goes to a group of uh, youth, and if you look at their age at this time, you know, they're around 15, 16, 17, around there, you know. So he says, whoever one of you is, you know, able to get married, who can afford it, let him get married. And then he gives the reason. He says, because this helps you lower your gaze. And it's better for your, you know, guarding your chastity and your private parts. But if he cannot do that, if you don't have the means to get married, if you can't use that to lower your gaze and to protect your chastity and to protect your private parts, then you should be fasting because that for you is going to be a, uh, you know, a shield. So it, it's, it's going to be, a, you know, a restraint for you, a protection for you against, you know, those sexual desires that you are having. And subhanAllah, you know, this, it, you really see this when a person, yeah. you know, and, and even the way that it's set up, it's marriage, what does it do? It helps you lower your gaze. So, you know, mm-hmm. our desires, first they come from our eyes and then they enter our hearts, right? We see it and then we want it. And then it comes into our heart and then we're like, okay, how can we fulfill this desire that we have? So, the, the best way, lower your gaze and continue to fast if you're not married. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and yeah. I, and 
I like this as I like this as also a um, uh, in the second page here in 86. He's also addressing the aspect of of uh, fasting related to the married person as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this was something that this uh, fasting itself also as part of its prescription mm-hmm. is that men and women avoid during the day while they're fasting uh, sexual relations. And I think that's a beautiful aspect of fasting, which builds character mm-hmm. because this is not asking you to to leave this is not asking for celibacy right our religion is not uh, of celibacy or monasticism but rather we show we we show ourselves and we actually as a as a couple right as Mm -hmm. as a husband and wife you're agreeing that in this experience of getting closer to allah Mm -hmm. you are both choosing to leave something that allah has made halal for you you see the other aspect of it not eating that's something you do as individuals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But this is something that husband and wife experience together. Mm-hmm. And you are both worshiping now Allah together. And that's one of the aspects here that I think are really interesting. I mean, we, it talks about the the penalties for the person who violates this intentionally. Yeah, wow. But the, I wanted to highlight the idea that, look, Allah is showing us mm-hmm. that, look, this Islam, this fasting, this improvement of who you are mm-hmm. is not by yourself. You know, with this this relationship that you have as a husband and wife, and of course, there's other aspects of fasting that you take that you experience together as a family, mm-hmm. and then of course the community level. So Islam, unlike the quote unquote religious description uh, uh, or the approach of secularists, others who who come from a view outside of Islam, they come from the perspective that religion is something for your private life. That's it, yeah. By yourself, right? And Islam comes and shows us, and we see other examples of this as well, but Islam is very distinct in showing us that all of these aspects, the do's and the don'ts and the understanding of them and the growing is something you do together. Mm -hmm. It's not about you as the individual and which I think touches on another aspect of this generosity that this is about us experiencing our worship of Allah together. So I'm happy this section is uh, we're able to touch on it. And I'm happy he for both individuals who are unmarried currently, and may Allah <laughs> may Allah bless all of those and, and give them that. Amen. And for those who are married, this is another beautiful way that you can explore how both you and your uh, how husbands and wives together will grow and and improve their character through the worship of the worship of fasting. Amen. Amen. So, subhanAllah, this is, uh, you know, I'm very excited for the month that's ahead of us. Um, I think mm-hmm. all of us at this time, we're going to be start, we're going to be fasting maybe on Friday. So, uh, we have one more day to get through, inshallah. And then the benefit of the uh, rolling in, may Allah allow us to reach it. I mean, I mean, and with that, I think the last section of this particular uh, character and fasting, we're going to address inshallah in the coming weeks, yeah. the section on fasting is a cattle fitted. We're addressing the future as well. Yeah. And inshallah, we're going to have an opportunity to dive into fasting and its impact on the intellect and its transformation of the intellect as well. So with that, inshallah, if you don't mind, you're, you can share your closing thoughts, Imam Fuad, and a closing thought. Inshallah. Inshallah. So uh, we, I won't make this one too long. Alhamdulillah, the month of Ramadan is here. Um, this is an opportunity for us to be forgiven for all of our sins. I hope that you know we strive and we fulfill all of our capabilities and do what is needed so that we attain the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. 
And then on top of that, I hope that majority of us have planned for this month. You know, we don't want to become those that fail to plan for it and then they fail to take advantage of it. So even if you have not planned before, take this opportunity, this day and a half, two days to write down what you want to accomplish and maybe give it to your family members so that they can hold you accountable. Write it on a board as a family if you want, you know, your, your top goal, maybe your top two, three goals, and then see how you are progressing throughout Ramadan with it. And then you'll have your family support you in it, inshallah. This is something that, you know, we need to see more of. And also, you know, this is a month of, 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 uh, of glad tidings. So I want to say to every single one of you, Ramadan Mubarak, I hope we take advantage of it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to reach it and take benefit from it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through it forgive us for our sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on our parents. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on our young ones. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reunite every single one of us with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to enter Jannah through Babur Rayyan. صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته